Okay, am I on? <laughs> Good morning, Harvest City. It's so great to be with you this morning as we continue through our series in the book of Acts, looking at the story of Jesus continued through the life of the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and what that means for us as followers of Jesus in Durban today. One of the things that I found most striking when reading through the book of Acts is seeing how the disciples of Jesus move from being these fear-filled, um, scaredy, kind of not wanting to say anything, followers of Jesus after the death of Jesus, to becoming this community of believers who are boldly proclaiming the gospel. They were the first-hand witnesses of Jesus' life, his arrest, his crucifixion, and they had given up everything to follow him, and then he's executed. What happens when the guy that you are following is executed? You probably start to tend to believe that the story of Jesus stops there, that this is the end of the road for the story of Jesus. You probably tend to believe that everything that you have given up to follow him was all for nothing. And you probably are petrified that the same authorities that put Jesus to death are going to find you guilty by association. And so you hide yourself away in fear. This is what we see the disciples of Jesus in the early church doing at first. They are hiding themselves behind closed doors. But then we see that something changes. The disciples discover that Jesus is in fact alive, that he did not die, that God raised him from the dead. Jesus himself reveals to them that he is alive, and this changes everything for them. Tim Keller says in his book, The Reason for God, Jesus had risen just as he told them he would. After a criminal does his time in jail and fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no more claim on him, and he walks out free. Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins. That was an infinite sentence. But he must have satisfied it fully, because on Easter Sunday, he walked out free. The resurrection, the resurrection was God's way of stamping paid and full right across history so that nobody could miss it. The disciples of Jesus knew that Jesus' resurrection changed everything. They knew that in Jesus' resurrection, they had forgiveness for their sins, that the wages of sin was death, but that Jesus had paid the price in full for them. They knew that the resurrection of Jesus mean, means that they could be reconciled to God, that they could have a relationship with God, that they be, could become new creations and have new life through what Jesus had done. Their guarantee was in the resurrection of Jesus and their understanding of the gospel and their understanding of what this resurrection of Jesus meant enabled them to begin boldly proclaiming the gospel, even in the face of many threats and obstacles. We see that as they do this, many people begin to put their faith in Jesus and come to know him. It's amazing to see how God uses the small group of believers who have been impacted by the gospel, who have been impacted by Jesus' re resurrection life. As they begin to share their faith, how God uses them to draw people near to himself. We see in the book of Acts that God adds to their number daily those who are being saved. And it really is my prayer that as a community of followers of Jesus, that we too, being impacted by the gospel and being impacted by Jesus' resurrection, that in the same way we would begin to boldly proclaim our faith so that people who do not know Jesus, who do not have a relationship with God, can come to know him. The reality, though, 
is that this idea of boldly proclaiming the gospel can be very intimidating for many of us. We might find it easy to be bold about sharing other things we're passionate about, maybe about our cats, our favorite sports teams, the meals that we like, the things that we do, our hobbies. But this idea of actively sharing our faith can seem kind of overwhelming. I know for me personally, I don't, I get really nervous at the thought or the idea of sharing um, the gospel of Jesus, of sharing what Jesus has done in my life with people that do not know him. I don't stand up here this morning as an expert on gospel-shaped boldness, but I am someone who wants to desperately learn to grow in this area of being bold for Jesus because I know that there's a world out there that desperately needs him and that God has invited us to partner with him in his mission of reaching the world. We can be bold about the most insignificant things, but as followers of Jesus, are we prepared to be bold about the most significant thing? The fact that Jesus lived a life that we could not live and died the death that we should have died so that we can have salvation through him with God. This is what we see the early church doing in the book of Acts. And this morning, I want to take a look at what the scripture shows us about how the early church was able to move from being fearful and terrified about sharing the name of Jesus to becoming bold, even in the face of much um, resistance. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 4, or you can follow on the screen behind me. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 22. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and I don't know how to pronounce this, Cyphus and John and Alexander and all who who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Um, In this situation, they're referring to a situation in Acts chapter 3, where Peter and John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pray for a crippled man who has begun to walk. So they're questioning them about this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak, um, let me, sorry, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. 
So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And this is an incredible moment in the life of the early church. We see that a lame man who cannot walk, who is crippled, is healed through the power of the Holy Spirit when John and Peter pray for him. And really, people are asking questions about this. They're asking them, how did this happen? How did you perform this miracle? And whose name, whose power were you able to do this? And we see without hesitation that they begin to preach the name of Jesus. They begin to point people to Jesus. The disciples in the early church always seemed to be looking for opportunities to preach the gospel and to bring up Jesus in conversation. But we see that the religious leaders hate this. They're not at all impressed with it. They want it to stop. They're discussing ways that they can put an end to it, ultimately because it threatened their leadership. It threatened their government. It threatened their authority. And so we see that they put Peter and John in prison, and it says in the text that they threatened them. We're not entirely sure exactly what they threatened them with, but it was most probably with pain, with beatings, and possibly even death. To preach the message of Jesus for the disciples required a lot of boldness because it was a very costly thing to do. So what made the church the early church, the disciples of the early church, able to proclaim the gospel so boldly in this way because they faced some serious threats. What was it that enabled them to move forward, press forward, despite all of this? And this morning, I want to take a look at that passage of Scripture in Acts 4 and look at some of the things that I believe enabled the disciples of Jesus to move from being fearful and terrified to bold proclaimers of the cross. The first thing that we see in this passage of scripture is that the disciples had had an encounter with Jesus. And because they had had this encounter with Jesus, they had a message of salvation to share with those who did not know him. In verse 20, it says that they could not help but speak about all that they had heard and had seen. The gospel that Jesus Christ himself had so profoundly and substantially impacted their lives that they were unable to keep quiet about it. Their boldness was in a response to what Jesus had done in their lives. The same Peter who, after Jesus is arrested and denies him three times, is suddenly fearlessly declaring the name of Jesus. Peter's encounter with the resurrected Jesus drastically changed him. It took him from someone who was fearful and timid and hiding behind closed doors and denying Christ to someone who, in the face of serious resistance, boldly was proclaiming his name. The reason for this being that they knew how important this message of Jesus was. They knew how important it was that people heard about how salvation can be found in Jesus. They knew that people were in desperate need of him. In Acts 4 verse 11 to 12, we see that they say thus, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They knew that this message of Jesus was a life-changing message because they knew that for every single person on earth, Jesus was their only hope. 
their only chance of salvation. He was it. Do we believe this to be true? Do we believe that all people are in desperate need of Jesus? Because if this claim of the disciples is true, that Jesus is in fact the only way that we can have forgiveness of our sins and forgiveness with God and salvation through him, then this is probably the most important message that we could ever share with anyone. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have had an encounter with Jesus, then you have a message of salvation to share with those who don't know him. Before I knew Jesus, I was an incredibly broken person. In fact, to be completely honest with you, I hardly really even wanted to live. I was broken, I was shattered, I felt completely unworthy. I felt like I'd been disregarded and that I was completely unimportant to anyone or anything. Probably the main reason for this being is that when I was young, my father abandoned our family. He left me and my mom, he married someone else, and I never heard from him for about seven years. Then when I was 10, he came back into my life um, for maybe six months, and then he disappeared again. At that point, I'd learned that he'd remarried, he'd had four other kids, um, and that he had kind of moved on from his life, from us and moved forward in his new life. And um, to this day, I still have not had any interaction with him since I was 11 years old, but from some fastidious Facebook stalking, I soon realized that um, he had in fact divorced his new wife and that him and his four uh, new children had moved to Singapore with his wife staying behind in Durban. And for me, that was just almost more shattering than the fact that I had been abandoned in the first place. It was kind of the stamp over my life that you are not worthy, you are not enough. I felt intense insecurity and self-hatred. I felt like I was not worth anyone's time, affection. I was totally unimportant, totally unlovable. But then I encountered Jesus. And in Jesus, I found this Father God who loved me unconditionally, relentlessly, overwhelmingly. I found a God in whose love I didn't need to perform for, that I was already accepted and fully approved through Jesus with God. I didn't need to work to be important to him. He found me important. He found me important enough to know that he sent his son to die on a cross so that he could have relationship with me. I found him beginning to plant the seed in my heart of the fact that I was dearly loved by him, that I was worthy in him, that I had a new identity in Christ. These truths began to become incredibly real in my heart. One of the things that I felt him saying to me was, um, reminding me of, was that story in the Gospels that Jesus tells about the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one. I felt him tell me that he was the one who fought for me and left the 99 so that I could be found, even though my father had left me the one in favor of others. What is your story? How has the gospel impacted your life? What encounter have you had with Jesus? And are you willing to share it with others so that they might come to know him too? The second thing we see is that the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be bold. We see that Peter and John in this text are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 4 verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Beforehand, Peter had kind of been a scaredy cat. He was nervous. He wasn't wanting to say much of anything. And then we see him filled with the Holy Spirit. He becomes bold. 
And the good news for us is that same spirit that is in Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 is the same spirit that's within us. It's the same spirit that's equipping and empowering us to be bold and proclaiming our message of salvation and what Jesus has done in our lives. The disciples' boldness does not come from a a pep talk that they give to themselves. It does not come from looking in the mirror and trying to suck ourselves up to do this thing of sharing the gospel with other people. It comes from partnering with an almighty, powerful God who has chosen to invite us to share the gospel with him so that people might come to know him. The Spirit makes us bold. How does he do this? He does it by taking the truth that Jesus proclaimed, the word of God, and making it real to us, manifesting it in our hearts. Jesus says in John 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit of God makes us bold by reminding us that we are the sons and daughters of God. The spirit of God makes us bold by reminding us that we are already fully accepted and approved in Jesus, that there's nothing that we have to do to earn the love of God, but that Jesus has done it all. The spirit makes us bold by reminding us of our new identity in Christ. The Spirit makes us bold by reminding us that Jesus is the only way to salvation, the only hope, the only chance that humanity has of being reconciled with God. And as the Spirit makes these truths of the Word of God real to us, he emboldens us to preach the gospel. Lastly, we see that the disciples' boldness was sustained through prayer. In Acts chapter 4, when the disciples return from the astonished authorities, we see that they go back to the church and they say, they tell them about all the threats that they had received. Um, The church at that time would have known what this meant for them. It probably meant further persecution and, and possibly even death for a lot of them. So did they go back into hiding? Did they close themselves behind closed doors? Did they lock themselves away out of fear? What was their response to this? we see that their response was to pray for boldness. In Acts 4, verse 29 to 31, we see them praying to God. And they say to him, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Through prayer, the disciples' boldness was sustained. Through the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, their boldness was renewed and they could continue speaking the name of Jesus. Boldness is not a constant in our lives because when we face obstacles, when we face resistance and fear, our natural inclination is to run away and hide. And it's at that point that we need to pray to God, pray that the Holy Spirit would give us boldness to continue. They were facing really severe physical threats and consequences to preaching the name of God. The reality is, for most of us here in this room today, we will not face that same level of persecution, but we will face obstacles to sharing our testimony of what Jesus has done on our lives. We will have fears and hesitations. What are the obstacles that you face in proclaiming the name of Jesus? What are the fears and hesitations that you have? And are you praying to God for boldness to overcome these. Perhaps you feel disqualified from sharing the gospel. You feel like you're totally unworthy. You feel like you have messed up too much. Your life is in too much of a mess to be qualified to share the name of Jesus. 
The truth is that our confidence can never be in what we've done or haven't done. Our confidence always has to be in the finished work of Jesus. The reason for that being is because we are all sinners in desperate need of his grace. And it's when we understand that, that we are able to authentically share what God has done in our lives. Maybe you disqualify yourself because you feel like you lack knowledge. You feel as though you don't know enough about the Bible and you wouldn't be able to answer people's questions. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, we, say, we see Paul saying, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human power, but on God's power. In Acts chapter 4, we see that people are astounded. They're shocked. They can't believe that Peter and John are able to share about Jesus in this way. I can't, I can't even think the last time I was astounded by what someone was saying in a good way. Um, and we see that they say the reason for their, them being shocked and so astounded by this is that Peter and John were uneducated, common men. There was nothing special about them. There was nothing about them that predisposed them to be able to preach the name of Jesus in any kind of significant, life-changing way. So how were they able to do it? They were able to do it because they had an authentic story of how Jesus had impacted their lives, and they were sharing it with the people around them. We don't have to have everything all figured out. We don't have to know the answer to every question. I don't think that we ever will know the answer to every question. Gospel-shaped boldness is not about having all the answers. It's about taking the opportunity to talk about Jesus, to preach the gospel to those who are far from him, and to share the story of what he's done in our lives. Perhaps an obstacle for you in sharing your faith is that you're worried about the cost. You're worried what it will cost you to share your faith with others. We see in Acts 4 that it cost the disciples quite a bit. It cost them going to prison. It cost them being threatened. Later on in the book of Acts, we see that people died for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. What are our biggest threats? What are our worst case scenarios? What are the things that we fear losing the most in sharing about Jesus? If you're anything like me, then the thing you fear losing the most is friendship. I'm quite a people pleaser. I love people to think well of me. I like people to like me. Um, and so this idea of sharing the gospel with people who don't know God freaks me out because I think that they're going to think I'm weird. I think that they're going to reject me. I think that they're not going to like me. I'm scared of losing my status with people. I want to be culturally palatable. I don't want people to find me narrow-minded at the best or a bigot at the worst. I want to be liked by people. It's hard to preach the message of a Jesus in the counter-cultural society we live in. We need to be praying for boldness to do it. One of my other greatest fears in sharing the gospel is that I don't want to come across as being pushy or overbearing. I don't want people to call me a Bible basher. Um, as dis disciples of Jesus, we're not called to be pushy. We're not called to force our faith and the gospel of Jesus down people's throats. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to be bold in proclaiming the gospel, but that doesn't necessarily mean being loud or harsh or pushy or overbearing. It's about looking for opportunities to bring up Jesus and to preach the gospel to people, just as we see John and Peter doing in Acts chapter 4. 
In his book, Beyond Awkward, uh, Bo Crisetto writes about the differences between being pushy and bold when sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. He says one of the ways that we can be bold in sharing our faith and sharing about what God has done in our lives is by asking a people a question. So he says you can ask a question such as, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the gospel? What do you think about our spirituality? He says that it's never pushy to ask a question. It might feel uncomfortable. It might feel awkward, but it's being bold. It's not being pushy. A bold person will ask a question to break the ass. And then they will factor in how the person is responding. If that person is not engaging, if that person is not interested in the conversation, they don't just push through regardless. A pushy person, on the other hand, will ask a question to start a conversation that they intend to dominate. They won't care or consider how that person is responding, whether they are engaging in the conversation or not. They just push through. We don't need to be pushy in sharing the gospel with people because it's not up to us. God is the one who draws people to himself. God is the one who saves. It's not us. The pressure is off us. And so we don't need to force anything. We don't need to make anything happen. All we need to do is to trust God, ask him for his Holy Spirit to make us bold and to take the opportunity to share Jesus and our faith when that opportunity arises. What do we expect will happen when we share the gospel? What are our expectations? Do we immediately think that it's going to go badly? Do we immediately think that people are going to reject it, that people are going to be offended by it? Or do we have faith that when we share the gospel, we are partnering with a God who wants us to join him in his mission of reaching people who don't know him, and that people through that might be saved? Do we have faith to proclaim the gospel. I know often I rely, I can rely on my good deeds as a way to proclaim the gospel. But good deeds are not automatically a connection to Jesus. In fact, there are many followers of Jesus in this world who are a much nicer person than I am, and they do much bigger and greater good deeds than I will ever do. Good deeds are not an automatic connection to Jesus. Bold gospel proclamation is a connection to Jesus. There's this famous line or quote out there, I'm sure you've heard it, that says, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. But that's just not true. Should we share the gospel with others via our actions? Absolutely, we really, really should. We can hope and pray that people through um, the way we live our lives will become curious and begin to ask us questions. But if we don't interpret the gospel for them, and point them towards Jesus, how will they ever make that connection? We can demonstrate God's love and grace to other people in the way we act, but will they know whose love and grace it is? They might think that we are really cool, good, awesome people, but will they know Jesus? In 1 Peter, Peter writes that we should always be prepared to give an account for the hope that we have. We should always be prepared to share the hope that we have, which is the salvation we have found in Jesus. The obstacles that we face in sharing the gospel, the fears and hesitations that we have, they can be overwhelming. And they probably, I know there are many, many, many other obstacles, fears, and hesitations that we can have that I haven't even touched on today. But when we look at Jesus, when we remind ourselves of the gospel, 
when we allow the Spirit to make the truth of Jesus, the Word of God, alive in our hearts, when He fills us with boldness, then we find freedom to boldly share what Jesus has done in our lives. The cost of sharing the gospel becomes really great when we aren't looking at Jesus and reminding ourselves of what he's done. God isn't going to love us anymore if we boldly proclaim the gospel. This is not a way to be getting a better position or standing in front of God to impress him or to kind of earn favor with him. We have already been fully accepted and approved by God in Jesus. The pressure is off. The gospel is not a gospel of works, but a gospel of grace. But what we do see is that we serve a God, if we are followers of Jesus, we serve a God who is inviting us, who desires for us to partner with him in sharing what he has done in our lives so that many who do not know him can come to know him. The world is in desperate need of the good news of Jesus. The world is in desperate need of the forgiveness of their sins through the cross. And God is inviting us to partner with him, just like he did with the the church in Acts so that all might come to know him and experience this resurrection life. Can I ask the band to come up and would you mind standing? This morning, as I've preached out of Acts chapter 4, maybe God has spoken to you about where you're at. I know he's spoken to me. Maybe he's calling you and speaking to you about being more bold with your faith. Maybe he's calling you to share what Jesus has done in your, in your life with others. But you just feel like it's still a bit overwhelming and nerve-wracking. I believe this morning, as followers of Jesus, God wants to fill us with his spirit. And that he wants to give us a boldness that is not of ourselves, but is based on his finished work on the cross. Perhaps this morning you've actually never encountered Jesus You're not currently in a relationship with him. You don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him. But this morning you feel him calling you to himself. I believe this morning that he would love it if you put your faith in him and that he's calling all of us to do the same. So Father God, we just commit ourselves to you, God. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. And we say, Father, thank you for what you have done on the cross. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus. Thank you that in you we can find forgiveness of our sins, that we can be made right with God, that we can have a relationship with God. Thank you, Jesus, that you invite us to partner with you to reach many who do not know you, God. Thank you for that opportunity. And God, I pray for us as followers of Jesus that you would fill us with a boldness, that you will fill us with your spirit so that no matter the obstacles we face, no matter the fears and hesitations that we have, that you would make us bold, God. We don't want to sack ourselves up or force anything, God, but we want to be filled with your spirit so that people who do not know you might come to know you. And God, I pray for anyone this morning who has not encountered you before, but they want to put in their faith in you today, Jesus. I thank you that that is possible because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And this morning, I pray that they would experience the resurrection life in Jesus that Jesus has given us all. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you for your kindness and your love. Thank you that you loved us so deeply that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. That you were prepared to go to the greatest extremes to know us and that we could know you, Father. We thank you that for that this morning, God. Amen.